We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is At Home Connecticut, hosted by Joey Burgoyne, highlighting events and happenings that are taking place in your home. Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. Good morning and welcome to another episode of At Home in Connecticut. I'm your host, Joey Burgoyne, and joining me this morning is Jay Kaplan. He's the director of the Roaring Brook Nature Center, which is also part of the Children's Museum in West Hartford. But the Nature Center is their, the outdoor extension, I guess you can say, where you know people can go to learn about the outdoors, get outside a little bit. And this winter has been an extremely mild winter. Now, a lot of the events that go on at the Nature Center are outdoors, so they're a little weather pending, but I'm thinking this year has been a very good year to get outdoors and enjoy some of these things. So, Jay, we're going to get into some of the events coming up. Um, You know, there's some great things, family-friendly, to get outside and enjoy nature, which, like I said, this winter, we've been lucky so far. So, thank you for joining me this morning, sir. And, you know, tell me a little bit about the Nature Center. Give people a little sneak peek into the history about it. Sure. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me this morning, uh, Joey. Uh, Roaring Brook Nature Center has been around for quite some time. It was actually founded back in 1948 by a woman named Eunice Storrs Riddle, who began to invite neighborhood children to her yard to learn about the out-of-doors. They built some frame structures on her property, and um, octogenarians here in this area still refer to this place by its original name, the Canton Children's Nature Museum, and, and call us the Nature Museum. It became Roaring Brook Nature Center in 1964, and our our current building was put up two years later. Um, We've had some expansion since then, and we are a year-round facility that offers uh, people of all ages an opportunity to learn about their natural environment and to get outdoors. We are right next to Werner's Woods, which which is a state-owned natural area that serves as a wildlife refuge. We serve as the stewards for that property and maintain trails, do some habitat renovation, put up bluebird boxes, and there are about five miles of trails on the property at this time. And that's the thing, you know, it's to get people outdoors and be comfortable when they're outdoors. You know, a lot of people are, well, I, you know, I, to go for a hike and I don't know the trails or I don't know this. Well, when you go to the nature center, all that stuff's right there for you. So I guess you can go and practice a little bit of, you know, outdooring, if you will. Sure. Um, we do have trail maps that people can take out, and if uh, you can actually download load them from our website, roaringbrook.org, which also lists upcoming events and the programs that we do so people can learn what's coming up in the, in the next weeks or months. And one of those, I mean, it, it's we're kind of right up against it, this being Sunday morning and this starts tomorrow, but a lot of kids are off from school Monday and Tuesday because of the holiday. Right. We do have a Monday-Tuesday vacation program used to be a week long, but now we have a two-day February vacation. We also have an April vacation week in which we do programming, and it's an opportunity to get outside. And, um, uh, you know, our groundhog's pretty confused this year. <laughs> Normally, he always predicts six more weeks of winter, but this year, he's, uh, you know, Punxsutawney Phil predicted an early spring, 
I'm not sure. We may still have a little winter waiting for us. Some of us winter, you know, our winter lovers could, you know, we could pray a little bit. That's what I'm hoping for. Everyone's usually, everyone's yelling at me around here, my birthday's the end of March. I'm like, maybe a nice snowstorm for my birthday. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, late snowstorms interfere with the maple sugaring season, which is a a big deal around here. We'll be doing a program on maple sugaring in your own backyard on Sunday, March the 8th. And um, so a real extended cold, snowy period will not help the sugar sugarers. And that's another thing, you know, people if you, if most people in this area, New England, southern New England, there's a lot of maple trees around. So I'm sure someone or someone family member has a maple tree. So why not try making a little bit on your own? It doesn't require much and you can go to the event March 8th and understand how to do something like that. And I've done it before, you know, where it's just you get that spring thaw where the tree just starts to leak and cry as we will and there's a lot of tree trimming going on. And we just put a bucket under the branch and let it drip. And we went home. We put it on the stove on low for a couple hours. And the kids were amazed that, no, this comes from that. And anyone can do it, really. Right. It always amazes me. It's hard to imagine the first Native American who, a couple of thousand years ago, somehow turned that dripping sap into not only maple syrup but maple sugar, which would was something they used as a survival food to get through through leaner times when it was difficult to to go out and hunt. Um, it keeps for a long, long time, and they, um, you know, now you know they not only tap maple trees but tap a number of different types of trees and use the different saps and syrups for different types of things. And that's the thing, you know, if you want to learn about those trees, one of the other things coming up, which I'm going to try and get to, February 23rd, the Winter Tree ID hike. Now. It's got to be interesting because I'm curious. I want to go to this because a lot of people look at trees and you're like, oh, that's a maple tree because I know what the leaf looks like. Or, you know, well, there's no leaves on a lot of these trees. You have coniferous and deciduous trees. Well, majority of those trees don't have leaves. Conifers, evergreens have needles, so those are a little bit easier. But once the leaves are off a lot of trees, I don't think a lot of people can pick trees out. And if you have a tree in your yard there's a good chance you should know what that tree is. So I think this is a great idea to get people out and understanding the changes that nature goes through and the evolution and understanding what's around them. That's right, Joey. In fact, uh, when the leaves are off the trees, you have to use a lot of other clues in order to identify them, the bark, the buds, the branching patterns. And that winter winter tree identification uh, program is a lot of fun for those who come out. And that's I, I love woodworking. I'm you know I'm getting my kids into it a little bit more. They're starting to get, you know, accustomed to it. And wood and trees are just something that I find fascinating. We can look at two pieces of wood. Now they're still wood. They came from a tree, but their characteristics are so different. It, it's oh. amazing. Oh, it is amazing to look at the difference. Let's say between a, you know, a, a poplar which has a very light colored wood and a, a walnut which the wood is very, very dark, um, black cherry. Um, there's so many different varieties. And, I mean, and it's, it's amazing the diversity of trees that we have here in southern New England. And, unfortunately, we've had, you know, the gypsy moss, the emerald ash borer have taken a big toll. Have they hurt you guys at all over there? Um, not to an extent yet, but we're anticipating that we will lose all of our ash trees. Um, there are other trees that are... Uh, under duress from different things. The hemlocks, of course, have the hemlock woolly adelgid, and there are, there are some other tree issues going on with some of the different types of trees. Um, the world has gotten a lot smaller, and it allows 
different kinds of plants and animals to travel long distances from one part of the world to the other, and they become problems. And one, you know, we've been talking a lot about the outdoor things, but bring me inside. Now we're we're done outside of the nature center. Bring me indoors. What can what can families and children come to expect once they go inside the nature center? Okay, well, we do have a, an interpretive building. We have exhibits on display that focus um, primarily on the natural world here in this part of Connecticut. We, have, we do have a small collection of animals, and we also have uh, birds of prey outside, injured birds that cannot be released to the wild. People can go out and look at those. Um, we have an indoor scavenger hunt for children to do. Uh, we have a small gift shop. So it, it's your standard um, museum and there are a lot of different types of um, activities that go on. on on different holidays. We have special special um, craft activities set up for children. So there's always something to do here. And that's the thing. When you go to places like this that have the live animal aspect, you know, depending on when you go, those animals are, A, in a different mood, and, B, they're at a different stage of the day where it's just like us. You know, we have habits in the morning, the afternoon, and the evening. So if you go in the morning and, you know, inside, visit the animals, then go outside, enjoy nature a little bit, you can come back in, and there might be a whole different animal than you just saw two hours ago. Right, and, and if visitors come at the right time, they can sometimes observe animals being fed, which is always very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally animals come out for little meet-and-greet opportunities. So it's just every, t- every time is different. It is a different experience for our visitors. And that's the thing, you know, it, the different experience. You, if you went there a few years ago with your children and your children got older, and one thing I've noticed with my kids is when we go to places like this, you know, a couple years ago and we go back again, they start to appreciate and understand different things. So even though we went once, it's like a whole nother trip for them, which I enjoy. Right. We also have some relatively new exhibit areas that we've opened up. Last year, we opened up a series of turtle ponds for some of the turtles that we have that are here on a permanent basis. Uh, We have a large bird and butterfly garden out front. Um, Pollinator pathways are becoming a a very um, hot topic now, and we've been maintaining uh, butterfly trail and butterfly gardens for a number of years. Uh, We've had 60 species of butterflies visit over over that time. So um, there's a lot that you can learn at, at different seasons. You're not, of course, going to see any butterflies in February. <laughs> and, you know, that, like you said, there, people can come out and see these pathways and maybe bring a little bit inspiration back home, and they can plant some of these native plants and bring that nature to their house. Right. That's, that's a big goal because what we're hoping to do is make people aware of that fact that they have choices. Um, native plants are, are important rather than some of the introduced species like burning bush, which is invasive. Or, you know, but, yet, but yet people like because of the bright foliage in the fall. And that's the thing. you know, Native plants have been here, so they usually require less maintenance and upkeep because they understand this climate and this area to thrive in. Exactly. You know, you don't have to worry and, about... And the animals that leave here depend upon those plants, not plants that are brought in from other parts of the world. Yeah, when, like I said, when we were at our camp around... I do some tomatoes in buckets behind the camper because it's a south-facing south side. It's great. But every once in a while when we go up on the weekdays or weekends, something ate my tomatoes. Well, yeah. And it's, it's, fi- it's, it's nature. It's fine. Like, I'd rather have something eat that than something out of the garbage that might make it sick. You know? Good point. 
So joining me this morning again is Jay Kaplan. He's the director of Roaring Brook Nature Center. I think everyone should get out there. So we've been talking a lot of things. There's the outdoor stuff. There's the indoor things. You know, if people want to register and keep an eye on, the weather plays a big part in a lot of these outdoor things. Where should we send people to, Jay? Right. Well, our website is roaringbrook.org, and we, if we have all of our events through the spring are listed on the website, people can give us a call. The phone number here is 860-693-0263, and we'll hope to see many of your listeners in the months to come. And that, it's an easy thing to get to. I mean, it's in Canton. It's a beautiful area. It's easy to get to. There's no reason why, you know, you couldn't check the website every weekend. Oh, there's something going on. We have nothing going on. Let's get up there, go for a little walk, enjoy nature, because like we said earlier, this winter... We got to take advantage of it while we can. You know, summer's going to be here, spring's going to be here, and that's a whole different season. So now the nature center is giving you a whole different set of things to go view. So it's somewhere you should go every season because nature changes, you know, all the time. People can see different things in one location. That's very, very true. All right, sir. Well, thank you for joining me this morning. I appreciate it. Hopefully, we get some people out there and enjoy the nature center. Okay, thank you, Joey, and I hope everybody has a great day. All right. All right, and that was Jay Kaplan, the director of the Roaring Book Nature Center. It's a great place. And like I said, every season you got different things. There's no reason why you can't head up to Canton and check it out. It's roaringbrook.org. There's lots of things to do up there. I'm excited to go to some of the events. So if you have any things like this, you know, an event or a venue or something you want to highlight on the show, you can send me an email at WTICcomments at entercom.com. That's WTICcomments at entercom.com. And remember, great things happen at home in Connecticut. You've been listening to At Home in Connecticut, a public service project produced by WTIC News Talk 1080. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.